Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Karen Gimnick. And I'm Paul Tevis. Each episode, we start with a question and see where it takes us. This week's question is, what shifts power dynamics? So this is the third episode in a trilogy, I guess, about uh, power dynamics, where we've been exploring uh, in the first episode, how do we come to notice the relative distribution of power uh, between individuals in organizations and groups in teams in all those you know what are those power dynamics how steep are the power gradients and then in the second episode sort of talking about how do we notice when we want to shift power dynamics uh, are the is the current arrangement of uh, positional power and authority and participation and things like that is that serving us as we want it to be uh, or is it causing us problems? And so what we want to dig into here today is the sort of third part of that, which is once we've started to notice it, and once we've asked and answered the question, uh, is this serving us? And the answer is no, we like to make a change. How do we actually do that? Because as is with all change, it's not enough to simply decide we want to. There are absolutely things that are keeping the current arrangement of power and power dynamics uh, in place. And we need to work with those if we actually start to want to shift and move from one particular arrangement, the current arrangement of power that we have, to a different one that we think will serve us better. I think one thing is that deciding is actually powerful. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's probably not the decision by itself so much as the pre-work, but I do want to name that if we notice and name the power gradient, that by itself may begin to change it. Mm -hmm. If we then have a conversation in which we all can kind of see what's the impact of that power gradient and, oh, we don't like it. It's not serving us. It's not the thing that's working for us. That may begin to change it. Like just that. And, and that goes back to what we talked about two episodes ago about how the people with the most power and therefore the most ability to change power dynamics are often the ones with the least awareness, the least understanding of the power dynamics. So if you can shift that thing, so that the person who wasn't aware is now aware, and you can not only have awareness, but that decision, I want it to be different. I think that's often a good start. It's not usually the whole story, partly because the awareness slips away again. Um, so one of the things to change is to keep that awareness, but I think that exercises that demonstrate the awareness are often really good starting places. So things like tracking speaking frequency in a room can change things. I had an experience in a training session once the, the group was half male and half female. And at the end of the first day, we sort of did a closing round. How has this been for you today? And in that round, I said, I noticed that in this group today, every time the instructor asked a question, the first response was from someone male. And I wasn't entirely comfortable about that. And that's all I said. I think the instructor said something like, well, isn't that interesting? And that is literally all that was said. And that was the first of in total 12 days of training and it never happened again. Mm -hmm. Just the showing, you know, making the awareness of it in a room where that value was shared, right? And then in that case, it was a pretty clear gender power dynamic 
that everybody was in agreement wasn't a good idea. So we really did almost nothing except name it. So I do think that the decision is powerful. And most of the time that you need more than that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and and in a there's a classic model of of human change, uh, the first step of which is awareness. That if we're not aware that this is going on, we can't possibly change it. And if we're not aware of a need to change it, or if we're not aware of the impact that it's having, it won't change. And the second step of that is actually desire, right? Do we actually want that to to change? Like, are we are we up for that? And that's, I think, really, as you pointed to, kind of what the first two episodes in this series have been about, you know, like aligning our awareness and aligning our desire around this. So once we get to that point, then, then in some ways the trickier work begins, because now what we're talking about is behaving in a different way, right? We, we said, great, we want to behave in a different way. We understand what would be different, what would be required of us um, at an intellectual level, and we want to do that. And now we actually have to start to do it. And once we start doing it, that's when we, we can very easily get the, uh, oh, wait, no, I didn't really mean it. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really understand what it was going to take. And we start to question whether or not we want to do, do things differently. Um, and, and so both of our, our knowledge of how to operate differently in this new way of, of operating with different power dynamics and our ability to do so can come into question. And so I think this uh, often shows up in, uh, there's, there's, if you think about it, if we're ever shifting a power gradient or shifting a power dynamic where, you know, even just say it's amongst two people, right? Between Karen and I, uh, and Karen's on the uphill side of this, right? Karen's the one who always talks, right, in the meeting. So 90% of, of what is said uh, is Karen and 10% is me, right? And we've identified that we want to shift that. Uh, we, we would like that to be closer to 50-50. So now what needs to start happening is Karen needs to be making space for me and I need to be using that space. And maybe it may, it may be cases where I need to actually be creating space for myself and Karen needs to be backing off when I start to do that. We have to negotiate what that, that might actually look like. And that is likely to be very hard. I think it is really hard. And, and it's hard in ways we don't expect. Mm -hmm. I, I think one way that people can sort of go astray about this is, the, the, and those of us who tend to have power in a room often okay i see what's wrong i know how to fix it i have a plan i'm going to do this thing and it feels very comfortable because guess where the control is staying and guess where the power is staying and i'm just going to be suspicious of that you know i'm just going to be really curious about okay that's well intentioned mm -hmm. but is it actually going to make the difference that's needed if the person who had the most power is the one taking control of the change um, that I think probably one of the early stages of how to actually make change is to talk to the people who have less power, who are lower on the power gradient and say, what would work for you? So in our example, if I say, okay, Paul needs to talk more, we've agreed to that. So I'm going to run my own timer and I'm going to make sure that I just don't talk more than 50%. And then we've got dead air. <laughs> because we haven't figured out how to balance it we, way better if I say, okay, Paul, so what would help with that? What is it about what, what I'm doing that's contributing to that? What is it that you need? And to the point you made about it, 
even if I'm doing everything I'm do, you know, that I can do on my side, you also have a role in it. So it may even be that I'm saying, so what would help you? Not just what do you need me? Because the, the tendency is to say, well, stop talking so much. But that may actually not be the thing, right? Like that I may be legitimately filling dead air. We don't know unless we're having the conversation. So finding ways to create trust, to show up with curiosity, so that the folks who have, ironically, the very folks who have felt least able to contribute become able to contribute to the solution, I think is really essential because their ideas about what will shift it are far more likely to be successful than the ideas of the, the people who have been in the more powerful positions. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that you have to work with there is uh, a concept called learned helplessness, which is that if I've been in the situation where I know you're going to drive the meeting, right? You're going to talk. We're going to be through there. I don't have to worry about about any of that. Right? I don't have to worry about what it is that I want to put in. I don't have to worry about dead air because I can count on you to 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 fill that. Well, the thing is, that means I never learn how to to actually work with it. So I don't even learn that I can. Right. I, I have through this pattern of behavior come to believe I need for you to drive this and to to even if I don't like it, um, then because we can very easily get into that space of where I can say, I don't like how I never am able to get a word in edgewise. And and then then I discover that I don't like the alternative, which is that I have to take responsibility for the content of of what's happening here, that I actually have to step out of just being able to sit back and let you drive, I might discover I like that even less at the beginning, right? Until we can actually figure out, okay, what would help? Like, and so, so that shift does really require participation on, on both parts, right? On, on sort of both sides of that. Because in any power gradient, that is creating patterns that perpetuate it, that reinforce it, but that also means that there's action that needs to be taken on both sides to shift it. Um, and so that, and that's not necessarily obvious, um, but it leads to the snapback thing that we see all the time, which is of course, we try this, you know, for three of our, our meetings and the dead air just, just lingers. And so you just jump back into, all right, I'm gonna just take over. And so of course you see, see, it couldn't possibly work any other way. Right. And then we just go back to where we were before and believe it's impossible. So I think that another important piece around that, in addition to what you've talked about, which is we need to find out not just from the people who have the power and who are going to be trying to to sort of let some of that go, what would work for them and from the people who need to be stepping into that, we're going to be inheriting that what would work for them. I think another important piece is what are we going to do when it goes badly? what is because we should expect it will it's a new thing for us we've not done it this way before so when we are tempted to slip back into our old patterns what do we want to do instead like what it, it's the the creating the contingency of what are we going to notice that we're that's going to tell us we're starting to drift back into the old pattern and how do we want to stop from sliding back and having an agreement about that and i think we're going to have to be talking about because the slide back is so easy to slip into. And, and in fact, the slide back will often feel better 
than the change we're aiming for. Because mm-hmm. as we've talked about in other episodes about change, it doesn't feel good when we start. It, it feels uncomfortable. It feels unfamiliar. Um, I at least am very good at coming up with stories about why we need the thing that is comfortable and convenient and, you know, really it just works better when I talk more because right, that, that, that just actually works better um, without realizing that what I'm really trying to do is escape discomfort. And, and, and here's the reality we're talking about, we're using the, the, the who talks more as a metaphor for power. I want to be clear that's there are all sorts of ways to have power, including by being silent. So, you know, just keeping in mind that lots of different power dynamics could be in play. But however you get your power, if that way stops being available to you, it doesn't feel good. We as humans like to have power and control. I think particularly our our mainstream culture in America has that an association of that with safety. Mm-hmm. And so when we have less, even if at some level we figured out, oh, the thing I want is best served by equalizing this, going from more power to less power is always uncomfortable. And as we've said, sometimes going from less to more is uncomfortable. And sometimes it's not as quite as clean as that. Sometimes everybody in the system had power, but they were using it differently. So your power gradient was sort of one way in terms of who speaks how much and another way in terms of how flexible people were and another way in terms of who has influence when they speak. So you might have a lot of dynamics. This is that complexity we were talking about. But as you shift, it's going to be uncomfortable. So if it seems easy, I'd make it really a high priority to have that conversation with the whole group about, is this working? Or are we shifting it? Do we like the results? If not, why not? And then if not, is this because we're just in that uh, uncomfortable change space? Or is it because it's actually not working in some way we didn't anticipate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, an important part of what shifts power dynamics is actually having that regular check-in about whether or not the thing that we're trying to do, one, are we actually doing it, right? It's like we said we wanted to share power in this way. And are we actually doing that? Like, and then and then it's, is it having the effect that we want? Um, and how are we feeling about it? Like, how are we doing? I think the it, because it, it happens gradually and it's about a creating a new dynamic, it's about creating a new stable pattern of behavior in in a system that is uncomfortable and does not happen overnight. If the change were easy, you would have made it already. Um, and so, yeah, the the other thing I think that you're you're talking about there, what shifts power dynamics is a willingness to be uncomfortable and to talk about the discomfort and in, in a lot of ways normalize that discomfort. Um, I had a former coworker of mine who said at one point, Paul, your superpower is normalizing discomfort. Um, because when we realize that this discomfort isn't a sign of dysfunction, when we realize that it's actually a sign we're doing it right, that helps us to stay the course with it. And if we don't talk about it, we can often think that it's just us, right? Everybody else is fine with this and we're the only ones who have a problem with it. And so there must be something wrong with us. Um, because ultimately, I think that when we talk about if we've gotten to that place where we recognize that 
uh, what the power gradients are like and what the power differentials are like, and we have a shared desire to actually change them, then we can open ourselves up into that collaborative space of how do we actually support each other to be making these, these more systemic pattern-based changes. So what, what shifts power dynamics is also not seeing ourselves as disconnected from the other people involved in this. This is something that lives in the space between. And so we have to be on an ongoing basis collaborating and supporting each other in order to change the nature of that space between. I feel like we've covered a lot about the sort of feeling around the process and that kind of thing. I would like to point to some sort of more tangible and you and I probably both have some of, okay, so we know we wanna change power dynamics what are sort of tangible things that we can look at? Um, I do think that speaking time is a big one that shows up a lot. And it's and that one's so easy because just simply tracking speaking time or speaking turns often makes a huge difference. I, I have this dream of a, a Zoom feature that will just have be bars across the bottom of the screen and tracks the number of minutes that people speak. I haven't seen it happen yet, but I'd love to see that programmed. <laughs> You can just turn it on and have this totally unbiased, it's just data, we've all got it. Um, but there are versions of that that you can do manually without, without fabulous computer programming um, that can begin to show up some data. So I think that's a good one to start with. Um, I also think that using a tool to really look at how is power showing up in our organization and our community. Um, there's a tool in the Cooperative Culture Handbook called 101 Ways to Get Power in a Group. And it's literally a list of 101 ways that people get power, and many of them are surprising. Um, and often we there are things we don't think of as ways to get power. So doing that exercise, either as an individual, just to be thinking about yourself, or with a team, with a group, and kind of getting some awareness of different people's perceptions and how is it landing, that can be a nice tool for having conversations that will help you actually identify some of those sources. And once you know where the sources of the power differential are, it becomes more evident what you want to do about them. Mm -hmm. It's always a, a good idea um, when you're trying to change something to be clear about what's currently happening. Um, just getting a, a sense of the landscape and being explicit about those sorts of things. The other one that I go to a lot is decision making um, and just actually being clear about who is currently making these decisions um, because you don't always have an, in fact, in most organizations, you don't necessarily have an explicit understanding. You have an implicit understanding of who you think makes decisions because decision-making authority um, within certain areas, right? Different people make decisions about different types of things. Um, different people make in, in, in a company, right? Different people make decisions about what code we're gonna write from uh, who gets paid what. Uh, but is, so what oftentimes when I am working with groups that wanna shift power dynamics, we actually just start by uh, enumerating what are the types of decisions that get made and how are they made? Who makes them and what's the mechanism by which they're made? Um, and that is another, and then you can start to go, which of those might we wanna change? Um, because then like, then that gives you actually very tangible things, right? Being able and, and be, starting to be behaviorally specific rather than saying, well, we wanna be more collaborative. What does more collaborative mean? Let's pick a couple of specifics. It means that we want to make these particular decisions in this particular process, because the, currently the way we're doing them is this way. And that's we would like to shift that first. 
or we want to we want to make sure that information flows in a particular way. Information flow is another really important part of shifting power dynamics because information is power, right? Who knows what is a is a big deal around that. Um, and so usually participation, um, information, and uh, decisions are specific things that I will start to uh, dig into a group that'll help them in terms of shifting their power dynamics. And in most cases, it's just a case of making those explicit. What, just what are we already doing? We're not asking you to change yet. Let's be clear about what we're doing now. And sometimes that's enough to create a change, but then pick one or two to start to shift. What are the ones that we think would be most critical the most important ones that would start to move us towards the result we want to be getting from this changed power dynamic. because And I think that's the other, um, an, one other thing that I think is really important that helps to shift power dynamics is keeping in mind the purpose for the shift. What's the goal? Why are we doing this? Keeping that front and center because that helps anchor um, the motivation why we want to be doing it because we want to operate more like this we want to get more of these results we want to see that happening and it helps us give it helps give us the yardstick are we making progress towards that how much progress have we made towards that how much have things changed and so it helps us feel like we're having some sort of sense of accomplishment we have and we have ways to make decisions and evaluate we can see oh if we if we do this kind of thing if we change these three ways that we make decisions we believe that will actually help us get towards the result we're trying to get to. So those are some of the tangible uh, things that I will often go to when I'm working with a group. I'm gonna add one more. A lot of what you were talking about, there are sort of structural things that can be changed in the system. And I wanna to point to one more that's possibly more relevant with my usual client than yours, which is role changing. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, if you're in a corporation with a clear hierarchy, you're not gonna, just going to swap jobs all the time. But often, especially in volunteer organizations or community organizations, there's a lot of potential to change roles. And, and while I think you have to do it carefully so you don't put somebody in a role that they actually don't have the skills for, to the extent that power sits in roles, I think it's worth thinking about something that is sometimes called term limits. That and, and I wouldn't make it a firm limit. I mean, I think you want to be flexible and thoughtful about how you apply it. But if the same person has been in the same role for a very long time, there's going to be a lot of accumulated power there that can often just feel like a brick wall for somebody coming new into that space. And so being thoughtful about particularly leadership roles, particularly roles that have a lot of inherent power within them, if you're looking to have a more egalitarian structure, making sure that those shifts, not necessarily that everyone goes through every role, but that everyone takes time out of those power roles and that someone else then has a chance to step into them and that you've got a pool of folks who are good at that kind of leadership work that are being grown and being supported and being built up, but also just that you don't have that power sitting in one person for too long. Um, I get concerned in volunteer groups if the same person has been, particularly in, around things like process or facilitation, um, but really any role. I, I'd be asking myself, is there a reason that that person's been there more than two years, more than three years, some, something like that, depending on what the work is. Mm -hmm. uh, Columbo-esque, I'm going to throw in my one more thing uh, at the end here, which is... I think a really critical thing that helps shift power dynamics is empathy. Mm. Because it's important for us 
I, I think both in the awareness and the desire and then in the actual, you know, carrying it out, the more that we are able to step out of the position we are currently in and to be able to see things from the other side of the dynamic or the other sides of the dynamic, uh, to understand the human impact that the current arrangement has on everybody involved and how we can want that to be different, I think that is another really important part, seeing how the current arrangement is affecting us as people and also having empathy for people as they are trying to change, as they're trying to shift, recognizing that it is difficult to get out of those patterns that you have been in, even if you don't like them, um, that, and, and to have empathy uh, and to support uh, people who are trying to change, even if they're doing it unskillfully even when they're doing it unskillfully, because that is going to happen, right? And, and to have some grace um, with people when backsliding happens, when we start to go back into those, uh, into those old patterns. We need, to, we need to have a process or a way of saying, hey, that's happening and we don't want that. We wanna, we wanna get into the new pattern, but not to do that in a blamey way, in a judgmental way, recognizing that that's a natural response to that discomfort and being able to have empathy uh, in that moment, I think that is the other thing that really helps us to keep doing the hard work of shifting power dynamics. So to track where we've been today, we're picking up on the last two episodes where we said that the first thing is look for power gradients in your groups, notice where they are, and be cautious if you think there aren't any, <laughs> be looking. Once you've identified where those power, power gradients are, take a look and see if they're serving us. Do we want to have power differentials or not? Do we want to have power either momentarily or longer term it, it functioning in a certain way that we've, so once we've seen how it's functioning, do we like what it's doing? Is it working for our group? Is it helping us reach our goals? And then what we were really talking about in this episode, which was if we've decided it's not serving us, how do we shift it? And so, Simply making that decision is a start. We have to know that we want to, and sometimes that's enough. Opening the conversation, finding out from people on both sides of the equation or all sides of the equation or all the places in the dynamic, what's working for you, what's not working, what would work better, what are your needs around it, what are your abilities around changing it even, um, and, and how do we engage with those? Checking back in, measuring progress, paying attention, keeping in mind, Okay, what was the thing we said wasn't working that we're now trying to get working better using that as a yardstick. Um, and then looking for actual tangible tools for tracking things like speaker time, looking at the structural systems for roles, for decision making processes, and, and do we have clarity about those things? Are those sources of power differential that we might want to change? And then this last piece, which I think is so important, is what Paul is talking about of empathy that we, as we walk through the discomfort of naming it, of experiencing it, of being in it, and then of, of the change that it takes to make it different, having empathy with each other about the discomfort around that really helps us tolerate the discomfort of change. Well, that's gonna do it for us for today. Until next time, I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnig, and this has been Employing Differences.